Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody just believe the report of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Feels good to be back here. And I am very thankful we had a We've had lots of babies born here lately. Uh, we had uh, Chrissy Barnum Riley, triplets, and yeah, triplets. Wow. Someone said, her hands are going to be full. I'm like, and then some. And you got three. I mean, you only got two. Then uh, Brother Joe and Sister Jessica. And Sister Stephanie, uh, Taylor, and so I'm just thankful for the, all these babies. We are growing one way or the other. God's doing good things. So thankful to be here. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> we are in a study of what we are calling Built to Last. A sermon series, and this will actually be the the last of that series. Uh, so I, I will recap and then uh, <clears throat> move uh, into the final uh, pillar. But it has been a, a wonderful study. Uh, a lot of people that God has touched and helped, and I appreciate all all the good things that are said. But uh, I, I pray that we truly get the attitude that we are not just throwing things up. Just going to throw up a prayer life, throw up a, 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 um, a family, throw up. But we're going to build it so that it will last. It's beyond just the, the moment that you try this, try that. You're just kind of walking through the process and it looks pretty, it looks good, but the reality of it is just as, as I, I talked about the one a few weeks ago, the Hummer that looks nice and pretty until it gets hit and you find out that it's, all it is is looking pretty. That somehow they stop making them where they will go through walls. Uh, now, it just, now it just looks big. And we don't want that. We don't want the mindset that, well, we, we look strong. We want to be strong. We don't want to just have a marriage that looks good. We want to have a marriage that is good. We don't want to have children that just, you know, they, they look pretty good. But we want to have children that we raise that when life comes against them, that they can stand against the storms that happen in their life. We want to build things that's going to last and it's so important that we get that attitude and uh tonight tonight or today we will be talking in proverbs chapter 9 verse 12 uh and i'm about to go back through it but this is where we will be ending up if thou be wise thou shalt be wise for thyself and if thou shalt scorn uh thy alone shall bear it and so what we are talking about is two opposing forces Proverbs 14 and 1 says, Every, uh, a, a wise woman buildeth her house, but a foolish plucketh it down with her hands. It is the 
the opposing forces of the wise and the fool. Now, this is not my uh, opposing forces. This is the word of God. These opposing forces are those of the wise and of the fool, and it's based on how we live our lives. And this theme is continued all the way through the word of God. Jesus, as we mentioned, talked about the wise man building his house on a rock, the foolish man building his house on the sand. It is all the way through the word of God that the decisions that people make put them in the category of the wise or the fool. And a couple of things that we see. So we're in Proverbs chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. This is where we have been studying and been looking. Proverbs chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. And verse 1 says, Wisdom hath builded her house. She hath hewned it out of seven pillars. So we are talking about the seven pillars of wisdom. And a couple of things that we learn from this, this verse. Number one, wisdom is a number of things that are put together. Some people know something and they think because they know something, they know everything. You ever met anyone like that? Just because you know something does not mean you know everything. Just because you know something well. And that's why uh, uh, some time ago we did a series on sowing and reaping. Because in every area of your life that you want to produce, you've got to make sure you sow in that area. If you want a good marriage, you've got to sow good things in your marriage. But if you sow good things in your marriage, but you do not sow good things in your finances, what you will come up with is a good marriage and bad finances. If you sow good things in your finances, but you do not sow good things in your marriage, what you will come up with is good finances and a bad marriage. So whatever area you want to receive, you've got to make sure you sow. And so one of the first things we see is that there are seven pillars. There are, there's more than just one thing you need to get a hold of. You need to say everything in this book I'm going to apply if I'm going to have the life that is successful in this world. And more importantly, the world to come. So we talked about seven pillars. The first pillar we found in verse number two, she hath killed her beasts, she hath mingled her, her wine, she hath also furnished her table. And so it's a preparation. She has already done these things. Uh, she has gone before. She wasn't waiting on life to happen to her. She was happening to life. God is a God of preparation. All of these I preach sermons are on. If this is your first time here, I encourage you to go get it because I'm not going to preach them again. And everyone said, thank God. The second you find in Proverbs chapter 3 through 5, when it begins to talk about how she goes into the highways and she brings people in and she gives them what they need. The second pillar of wisdom is that you are a giver. And I'm not just talking about offerings and tithing. That's something that's there, but that's not what we were talking about. We were talking about living a life of giving to the things around us. Not being someone that sucks the life out of everybody, but being someone that gives of ourselves and gives to our husband, our wife, our children, to our neighbors. The devil is all about taking. God is all about giving. The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, destroy, take, 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 take. God's the giver. 
but I have come that you might have life. Not just life, but life more abundantly. We need to live a life of being a giver. And if you will live a life of a giver, you are going to live the life of a wise man and a wise woman. The third was wise decisions. It talks about how she made her decisions, how she pre-thought those decisions out. And where we get our wisdom is three different places we talked about. First of all, there's God. That's through prayer, through the Word of God, through hearing the Word of God, through studying the Word of God. That's the number place, one place you go. Number two is counsel. First of all, godly counsel. People that are walking in the Spirit, doing the right things. But also counsel just from, from people in business, people in doing things, reading good books that, that talk about it. You can get wisdom that way. So first God, then counsel, then experience. You learn from experience. You learn how to make good decisions after you have experienced something to the good or to the bad. And one of the most important things about making those decisions we talked about is the, the difference between making decisions based on principle or preferences. If you live your life based on preferences, it's always going to change. You're never really going to get a hold of anything. But when you live your life on principle, no matter what comes, that's how you make good decisions. And one of the best things you could do is pre-decide things in your life. We talked about Daniel. Daniel had pre-decided. When the king's meat showed up in front of Daniel, he did not have to decide at that moment whether or not he was going to eat the king's meat. He had already pre-decided these things based on principle. If he did it on preference, at that moment he would have ate. So you must make wise decisions. The next was dealing with people and now there's two pillars in there. One was dealing with the fool. The, sec the, the fifth pillar, fourth pillar is dealing with the fool. The fifth pillar is dealing with the wise. You have different types of fools that you deal with. or the simple fool. These are people uh, that, that I, I'm there. Everyone's there at times. And that when you read this word, what, what the word means, and it's basically saying that you come into a new job, a new responsibility, a new ministry, and you are simple to it. Everyone starts there in everything that you do, and we talked about that, but then you have the hardened fool, and those are the ones that look at it and then decide they just don't want to change. Then you have the mocking fool. The mocking fool, not only do they see it, know they need to change, don't want to change, but they begin to mock the things, and the fourth one you see there in Proverbs is the God-denying fool. There's also two types of people that are wise, you, uh, two types of wisdom. There's the wisdom of men and the wisdom of God. And I'm telling you, you need to get the wisdom of God above the wisdom of men. <clears throat> the last one we talked about was the fear of the Lord. That was in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the holy is understanding. And we talked about there's different types of fear. You have natural fear. I have a natural fear that I do not want to jump off of this building right now. That's okay. Natural fear, there are things that we should be leery of. That is, there, there's actually wisdom in that fear. But then you have the spirit of fear, and that is not of God. I see people that are living. The Bible says God hath not given us the spirit of fear. 
the spirit of fear gets inside of people and people live with fear and all these things that are, are, are in their spirit. They can't go to sleep at night. They can't face the morning. They can't seem to go through life because there is a spirit that is not of God. And if you are dealing with a spirit of fear, you need to give it to God today and let the Holy Ghost help you with that. But then there is godly fear. And godly fear, there's really two different sides to that. There is the reverence. The fear of the Lord is his majesty, his power. But the opposite side of that is dreading his wrath. And to have these things in our lives. And we talked about how is it that we fear God and how the things that we say, the things that we do, all these different things that we talked about. And so that brings us now to the seventh pillar that we're going to talk about here today. And so before I get started, let's take a moment and let's ask God to open our hearts to receive his word. Will you pray yourself, lift your voice, and talk to God right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I pray the word of God. Let it flow in our lives. Jesus, help me, God, to preach your word. God, help me to say it the way it needs to be said. Help me to do what I need to do. Anoint this congregation to receive, God, young and old. God, in the church, out of the church, no matter where we are, God, let our hearts right now be good ground to receive your word. Let the word of God go forth with power and direction in the name of of the Lord Jesus. God, I am believing you, Lord, for great things. I am trusting you, Lord, for great things. God, take over this service today. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. If thou be wise, thou shalt be wise for thyself. But thou be a scorner, thou alone shall bear it. The first thing we need to know is that we're coming to the point of all the teaching. And, and James talked about this. The word of God is there. Everything that you need to know is there. And it's kind of like this last pillar kind of does what James does. When it's talking about you're searching all the scripture, you see all the scripture, you know what's there. But then he basically says, make sure that you are a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Make sure that you are a doer of the word. And so this last pillar basically says, listen, you need to prepare. You need to give. You need to make wise decisions. You need to fear God. You need to do all these things that we talked about. Know how to deal with different types of people. But make sure that you understand if you do it or you don't do it, it's on you. It's on you. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt, what a great statement he made. Very famous statement. He said, if you could kick the person in the pants responsible for most of your trouble, you wouldn't be able to sit down for a month. <laughs> but let me first talk about what this verse is not saying. Thou be wise, thou shalt be wise to thyself. And, and if you're going to live the life of scorner or the fool and, and doing these types of things, you're going to bear it. What it is not saying is this. If you live the life of a fool, you're not going to affect anyone else. 
It's just, it's just on you. It's just whatever you do. If you're wise, it's for you. If you're a fool, if you're living that way, it's just going to be for you. If you, if, if you make these decisions in life, it's going to go beyond. So what it is not saying, let me take a couple moments here, because we live in a world that says, well, I'm just living my own life and I'm just doing my own thing and it's not affecting anybody else. That is wrong. We are not islands unto ourselves. We do not do our own things in our own little box, and it doesn't affect. Somehow, some way, we affect each other. We affect each other at church with our presence, and we affect each other without our presence. We affect each other. The decisions that you make does not just affect you. Lot made a decision. That affected his entire family. Everyone. And sometimes you come out of something okay. But what you take your kids into. They don't make it out. Lot made a decision. To go to, towards Sodom. And then he's in Sodom. And Gomorrah. And then he's. In the gates, part of the council, his children begin to marry those in Sodom and Gomorrah. All these, all this sin began to seep into his family. That when the angels came because of Abraham praying to get them out of Sodom and Gomorrah because of the wickedness in that city, some of his children refused to leave because the decision that he made affects his family. The two girls and his wife that left with him, his wife, because of a decision that Lot made, his wife looks back and turns to a pillar of salt. His two girls, even though they left the city, did not leave the spirit of that city. What was, was some of the most sick, immoral things that you can imagine. They left the city, but because they brought their children into that atmosphere, those girls left with that same spirit and then got their own daddy drunk. Both of them slept with their own father, and both of them had children with their own father. Every one of his family members he lost because of a decision he made. It is not saying that if you make a bad decision, it's just on you. You've got to realize you affect people in your life. Don't just make rash decisions. You affect your children, your husband, your wife. Oh, my goodness. I feel conviction here right now. Will you just pray for a moment? Ask God to speak to our hearts and our minds. That's it. I challenge you to pray right now. God, help me. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Jesus' name. Obed-Edom made the decision to bring his, the, the presence of God into his house. And it affected his entire family. You find the descendants of Obed-Edom with the Ark of the Covenant 
all the way through the point that even when the rest of the people have rejected God, Obed-Edom's family stayed with the, the, the temple and the ark. They became doorkeepers at the house of the Lord. And when they came and the, the Jerusalem was destroyed because of the majority of the people, the way they were living their lives, because of that, Obed-Edom, you find that he was there even when they came to take the treasure out of the house of God. His family were so saturated with the presence of God because Obed-Edom said, there's room in my house for the presence of God. I'm telling you the decisions that you make for the wise or for the fool, it will affect your family. So make good decisions today. Make a decision today. I'm going to get a hold of God again. I'm going to be touched by the power of God again. I have made a decision in my life. Oh, Jesus. Saul, his legacy, his family is one of scorn. One of mockery. His children... died on the battlefield when they could have been the king. His grandchildren crippled trying to flee when they could have always stood right there in the king's palace. When his name is mentioned, most people don't even necessarily think that he was the first king, just that he was the fallen king. Decisions don't just affect you. This scripture is not saying that the decisions you make just affect you it affects others around you and just like David that made good decisions and even when David messed up he made good decisions to get back up Saul did not Saul made bad decisions, but then made excuses for the decisions he made, which is not taking responsibility. He said, the people were pushing me, and you weren't here yet. David said, oh, my Lord, I can't believe what I've done. God, let me fall in your hands and forgive me. I'm going to do it right. It's the difference of taking responsibility for the decisions you make because you will not always make the right decision, but if you will own the decision, you can then move forward with it so what it is saying it's not saying that you don't affect people because you do affect people you affect me you affect your brother your sister you affect the others in the church you affect your family you affect the people on your job we affect to the good or to the bad but what it is saying is that it first falls on your shoulders your decisions you cannot blame on everybody else. <laughs> You're responsible for the life that you live. The choices you make as a foolish man or a wise man, they fall squarely on your shoulders. Ancient Romans, they, they had a very healthy respect for those things when they were first building that empire. And an engineer, they said, an engineer, when after he had built an arch, he was to stand under it as they took the scaffold away. You better make a good arch. Let me tell you something. When you know that you're going to bear the blunt of what's coming, it makes you build a little bit better. It makes you say, I'm really going to build something that's going to last. I'm not going to just throw this thing up because I'm going to bear the responsibility of it. 
It's that mindset that helps us to continue to move forward and to do things wise and to realize that wisdom doesn't just happen in our lives. You are responsible to go after wisdom. Proverbs 4, 5 through 9, get wisdom, get wisdom, get wisdom, get wisdom. Go after wisdom. Don't just say, well, I'm just by osmosis somehow going to be wise. Not going to happen. But get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not. Be responsible for the things that you learn and that you grow in. Be responsible for the word of God that's preached behind this pulpit and the word of God that you read at home. Don't just look into a glass, see yourself and walk away and forget what manner of person you are. Make sure that you get it and you don't forget it. Don't decline from the words of my mouth, forsake her not. She shall preserve thee. Love her. She shall keep thee. Don't forsake, and you're going to be able to keep it. Love, cherish, keep a hold of her. Speaking of wisdom, go after it. Verse 7 says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom with all thy getting. Get understanding, exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give everything, all the ornaments of grace and the crown of glory that she's going to deliver to you. But it's up to you to go after it. It's saying, listen, if you're going to live a life of wisdom, it's because you take responsibility to go after it. It says in Proverbs 8 and 9, for wisdom is better than rubies. It's better than the best job you can get. It's better than all the riches that you can get of this world. To live in your home with wisdom is better. Nothing can be compared to it. And you say, I don't have wisdom. I don't know what to do. You're responsible for it. You're responsible. That's what this verse is saying. You're responsible for the wisdom in your life. You're responsible for how you do things. And you say, I don't have wisdom. Well, that's okay if you're responsible enough to go after it. James said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. If you don't have wisdom, don't just step back and say, I'm always going to be this way. This is just my lot in life. Uh, Don't have that mentality. Have the mentality uh, as I'm going after wisdom. Uh, I'm going to learn something. Uh, I'm going to grow. It's amazing uh, going to the financial world. Uh, The millionaires and the billionaires uh, that had nothing. Their parents did not pass down the principles of how to make this kind of money, but they got got a hold of some principles uh, and they did it they said i'm not just going to stay where i am i'm not just going to stay in squalor i'm going to build something i'm going to learn something new i'm going to grow in something and if you'll get that attitude i don't care what's going in your life you've got the ability to do everything that god has put in your path god's not putting things in front of you that you can't do but you need to get the attitude i can do all things through christ which strengthens me somebody needs to get the attitude i may be down today but i'm not gonna stay there i may be down for the moment but i'm not down for the count get it go after it 
God immediately begins to dole out responsibility. He creates Adam and immediately gives him a job. My mom believes in that. My mom and dad put that focus to get the job done. But mom, I must say, was... She was a brutal one, I tell you. You didn't just sit around when mom was doing something. You don't do that. I'm thinking of stories I could tell right now, but I ain't got time for it right now. Genesis 2.15. <laughs> Genesis 2.15, and the Lord, God, took the man. He put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Responsibility here. Your responsibility. Put things. Gives him the job. Responsibility. Not only to work, but responsibility to make the right decisions. He says, you need to make good decisions, Adam. You need to make the right decisions. So he takes a tree and he puts it, the Bible says, in the midst of the garden. You don't find that he put a fence around it. You don't find that he put a, an angel there to protect it. He put it there and says, you're responsible. You're responsible. That's, that's the whole thing here. You have to make the choice. You're responsible for the decisions you made. You can have every tree of the garden, but don't touch this tree. And amazingly, responsibility, one of the biggest problems we have with it is no one wants to take the responsibility, and we all play the blame game, and that's exactly what Adam and Eve did. We've all heard it over and over again. The Bible says, you ate of the tree. And the woman's like, the serpent gave it to me. It's over there. Adam, the woman gave it to me. And he actually goes a step further. He actually is blaming God. He said, the woman that thou givest me. <laughs> Not my responsibility. No, 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 no. See, this is the problem. We don't want to take the responsibility, but wisdom is taking the responsibility. The only way to move forward is to take the responsibility. He does it again. As soon as they mess up, now you have Cain and Abel. And Cain and Abel, the Bible says, uh, Abel brought the firstlings of his flock, the fat thereof. Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. There was supposed to be a blood sacrifice. The attitude of Cain was, uh, was, was all messed up. And, and the attitude of Abel was so excellent, the Bible says, that they brought the fruit of the ground. Uh, uh, one brought the fruit of the ground. One brought the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And God respected Abel and his sacrifice. But unto Cain and his, his offering, he had not respect. And then he chose to Cain because the Bible says his countenance fell. He was mad. He was upset. And what does God come and do? He comes and puts the ball squarely in his court and says it's your responsibility to do the right thing. This is what he says. The Lord said to Cain, why are you wrath? Why are you pouting? Oh, powders bother me. Why are you pouting? Why are you upset? Why is your countenance falling? 
if thou doest well. Verse 7. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. It's your responsibility. It's up to you what you're going to do. If you do well, you'll be accepted. If you do not well, it's falling on your shoulders. Sin lies at the door. It has a desire to, to, to rule over you, the Bible says. And then when you look at different translations, it's basically saying you've got to overcome it. He puts the ball squarely. And so it's the decisions that we make. And it's taking the responsibility for the decisions. He starts it off. Adam, here's your responsibility. Eve, Adam, they know what they're doing. Now they don't want to, no, not me, not me. Cain, same thing. Where's your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? No responsibility here, here. You take it. All these things begin to happen. But we must realize that whether we make wise decisions or foolish decisions, it is squarely on our shoulders. We cannot, we, we cannot take responsibility for everything that happens to us but we must take responsibility for how we react and how we come back to the things that happen to us. Joseph, to me, is just an incredible picture of this. Joseph is taken by his own brothers. He is sold into slavery, first thrown into a pit, taken out of the pit, stripped of his garments, sold as a slave, goes to Egypt, is now on the auction block, sold as a slave again. Now he's there, and he could be pouting upset, but he said, no, what do you put in my hands? Uh, this is what I want you to take care of, Potiphar says, and he begins to do it. He takes responsibility for what he has in his hands. He does not sit around and say, but this happened to me, and that happened to me. You're not going to get anywhere just talking about what happened to you and how people treated you and how bad it was. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying they treated you right. I'm saying you're going to stay in the pit if you don't decide. I'm not going to live that life anymore. I'm going forward. That's what I'm saying. I know things happen. I know people are abused. I know people are mistreated. People are cheated on. Things happen. It's awful, but don't stay there. Get up, get up, get up. Take responsibility for what's in your hand and move forward. One man made a statement like this. He said, if you own the story, you get to write the ending. If you own the story, you get to write the ending. But if you refuse to own it, if you refuse to acknowledge it, if you keep putting it off on somebody else, somebody else gets to write the ending to your story. But as soon as you decide, yes, this happened, I take it and I give it to God. And when I put it in his hands, Everything gets washed away and everything becomes new. There's a newness that's waiting, but you got to give it to him. Oh, why don't you take a moment and worship God? I feel a wonderful presence of the Lord here. Come on, take a moment. Take a moment.
people run from everything that happens. And you cannot live in wisdom and running at the same time. Trying to deny. The Bible talks about if you try to cover your sin, it's going to be, it's going to be bad. I'm trying to cover it all up. No, I don't, want to, I don't want to do anything. I'm not talking about going and announcing all the issues you've had on Facebook or something like that. Just don't do that, okay? Sweet Lord. Or someone else's issues either, by the way. Wasn't that nice and kind? You got to own it. You got to take responsibility for it. You got to say, yes, this happened. This is going on. But if I'm going to live with wisdom, I'm going from this moment forward. I'm going to do what Paul said. I'm going to forget the things which are behind me. I'm going to reach for the things that are before. And I'm going to keep pressing towards the mark. Don't let somebody else write your story. Don't let somebody else tell what's going to happen at the end of you. You be like Joseph. I'm going to put my hands on this, and I'm going to make this prosper. And then God's going to put something else in my hands. I'm going to take responsible responsibility for that and make that prosper. And then things don't always work out. And then he's thrown into a jail. But there in the jail, he begins to make the best of that situation and takes responsibility not only for himself but for all the other prisoners. Uh, everything he did uh, he kept taking responsibility and God says great uh, if you're willing to do that with a little uh, if you're willing to be have that attitude in a prison cell just think what I could do with you in a palace uh, and he picks him up uh, and he plants him in the palace uh, to take care of everything uh, I'm telling you uh, you cannot live as a victim you cannot live uh, based on what other people are saying about you get up out of the pit uh, and take responsibility uh, for your future it's not somebody else that's going to put you down it's not somebody else that's going to keep you out Ezekiel 18 and 20 the soul that sinneth it shall die no I'm about to come into this if you live in sin you're going to die that spiritual death but it says, the son shall not bear the iniquity of the father. Neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him. And the wicked of the wicked shall be upon him. You're responsible for your own life. And most importantly, for your own soul. The things that you do is going to affect your soul. Galatians 6 and 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you're sowing to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. But if you're sowing to the spirit, you're going to get life everlasting. You've got to realize, uh, I've got to sow the right things uh, to reap the right things. Uh, I've got to take responsibility for the sow, the, the sowing of the seed in my life. You've got to take responsibility here today. 
You can't just come to church and leave and come to church and leave. You can't just watch online and be a faithful online listener. I'm so glad you're watching. But you've got to take the responsibility to grow in Christ. And you've got to take the responsibility together with other believers. If you're sick at home or something's wrong, good. But otherwise, you need to get to church. And you need to be with the body of believers. And take responsibility for your walk with God. Forsake not the assembling of yourself. I'm so happy. What screen am I on? I'm sorry. I know you all here, and I don't ever do this. I'm a sinner. I'm so happy you're watching. We have some 200 or 400 people that watch. If you're from another church, make sure you stay your own church and just get the good word. I have no problem with that. But if you're part of Souls Harbor, you should be in the house of God every chance you get. Responsibility. Why? Because if you just sit at home isolated, you think you're just responsible only for yourself. But we affect each other. Oh, boy. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. So make sure you sow mercy and sow grace and sow good things. Because there are times in your life... There are times that God looked at things. One, one scripture says in um, Acts 7 and 30, talks about in the time of ignorance that God winked at these things. But now he commands all men everywhere to repent. There's a time God knows where you are. God talks about with Noah that while God waited while Noah was preparing the ark. He saw the preparation happening. If Noah would have just been sitting around doing nothing, I don't think God would have waited. But God waited while there was preparation being made. As long as we prepare, as long as we're doing the right thing, God says, I'm going to give you a chance. God winks at some things. God says, hey, I'm going to let you grow into some things. But you do need to grow. Paul said, when I was a child, I speak as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Saying, listen, you've got to grow into some things. Yes, when you first come to God, yes, you don't know everything. Yes, you don't understand. That's okay. God says, I'm going to wait as long as you keep growing, as long as you keep moving forward. Just keep allowing yourself to develop. But there comes a point that you've got to put away childish things and take responsibility. The sign of maturity is responsibility. We bear the responsibility for the actions. And no one is exempt from this. God, help me. None of us are exempt. Thank God we live in the dispensation of grace. Thank God. We live in the dispensation of grace. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. I don't know what I did to deserve it, but thank God. 
Thank God. Thank God. But no one is exempt. Moses got to see Jesus. Jesus saw him back and forth on the Mount of Transfiguration. But he was not exempt from the responsibility of doing the right thing. The Bible says because God said to speak to the rock, but instead he struck the rock. And then he, now, now we have struck it twice, and he said, I, that rock is Christ. I'm not going to be struck. He was angry. He was upset. But he bore the weight of that decision. And because of that decision, he did not get to go into the promised land. He got to climb the mountain and look over into the promised land. I am telling you, well, I'm exempt. I don't think so. Outside of praying for God's mercy and his grace, you're not exempt. You're not just on your own. It's not the case. There is a, there is a real heaven. There is a real hell. And the decisions you make based on where you're going to be, and it doesn't matter who your mama is, your daddy did, or if you brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, there's still a consequences for your decisions. And we find ourselves making decisions. David said, Abner, you died the death of a fool. He said, your hands were not tied. Your feet were not in fetters. No one made you do it. You were in a city of refuge. You did not have to come out, but you made the decision. Now you died the death of a fool. The decisions we make matter. The decisions that we make, we've got to take the responsibility. I don't just make flippant decisions. I make decisions based on the word of God and all the decisions you need to make for your family. You need to do it in the fear of God. You need to do it with preparation. You need to do it with giving. You need to do it with wise decisions. You need to do it understanding the difference between the wise and the fool. But whatever you do, you've got to take responsibility for your decisions. More important than anything else is you must make and take responsibility for your soul. Matthew 16, 26. For what is it profit a man? If he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The decisions you make go beyond this life. It goes to the decisions of the soul, the inner part of you, who you are, how you act, how you live your life. It goes to the core of who you are, where you will spend eternity. You will bear the responsibility of the decisions that you make. Salvation is not your mom's responsibility to pray for you. Thank God if you've got a mama or a daddy that's praying for you. But it's not their prayers that make the difference. You, that prayer is powerful. But at some point, you've got to come to a place that you get a hold of God for yourself. Amen. Philippians 2 and 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but also in my absence. 
Otherwise, you have taken responsibility. Whether someone's there telling you what to do or not, you know you have taken responsibility. You have matured. But then it makes this statement. It says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation. Your salvation is squarely in your court. You've got to make sure that you do the right things. So salvation is in your life. After Peter preached the message in Acts chapter 2, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? How do I take responsibility for what is going on? And when they were willing to take responsibility and realize, yes, I've done things wrong, now Peter can tell them how to do it right. Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself. From this untoward generation, responsibility, it's going to be in your court. However you live your life and the things that you do, it's going to fall squarely on your shoulders. But this person said this about me, and that person did this to me. And you don't worry, what about this and what about that? I don't know about all that, but I know your salvation is squarely on your shoulders. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Go ahead, save yourself from this untoward generation. Do it right. Repentance is about taking responsibility for the sin in your life. The Bible says it's not from without that defiles a man, but it's from within. We have a sin nature. Everyone's looking everywhere else when the case is it's right here. This is the issue. But repentance, the reason people can't come to a point of repentance is they did what we talked about earlier, the blame game. It's everybody else's faults, everybody else's things. They don't know about this happened to me and that happened to me. And we keep putting everything on everybody else. And God's saying, no, you've got to put it on your own shoulders. What repentance is, is every day owning up to the flesh that we live in and the, and the carnality that it, we desire and we want. And saying, God, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me. God, anything in me that should not be, get it out of me. Repentance is us changing and turning away. And I'm telling you, there's no greater resurrection than this flesh you can kill your flesh every day and every morning or probably just five minutes later it's going to rise up again and you got to kill it again but it's the respect what repentance really is it's taking responsibility for the sin in your life being baptized is taking responsibility for the sin that has been in your life repentance is you turning away from sin but it doesn't clean up the mess baptism cleans up the mess amazing the the way the transfer happens repentance is something that you do fully God can't repent for you baptism is something that you start doing and as you start doing all of a sudden the Holy Ghost washes everything away 
Now, I think God's all the way through it, but understand what I'm saying. At this point now, God, when it comes to the Holy Ghost, now you just open up and God does the work of filling you with the Holy Ghost. It's when you take full responsibility, God takes it on with you, and then he fills you with his spirit. It's such a beautiful thing uh, to walk through the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, and allow these things to be in your life. Uh, But I don't know where you are. I don't know if you're a Christian, you're a sinner, you're a backslider. I don't know where you are in your walk with God, uh, but you need to take responsibility for where you are so God can help you move forward. The Bible says uh, to all of us Christians uh, and to every person on planet earth Matthew 24 13 but he that endureth to the end the same shall be saved there will be things that you must endure and you take the responsibility you say I don't even know why I'm carrying this cross I don't know why I'm having to deal with this but if I will endure to the end if I just keep moving forward it's the responsibility And not blaming everybody else and all the other situations that causes you to own your story so you can write the end of your story. And your life could be eternally with Jesus Christ. Stand with me for a moment. Jesus' name. I have this story going through my mind. I know I have said it here before, but it just keeps coming back to me. I tell it normally in our new converts class, Connect Point. It's an amazing story. And if you'll just bear with me real quick. There was this lady. It's a true story. She's in the airport. And she's waiting on her flight. And she goes and she <laughs> she gets a magazine from the little newsstand. She gets a little drink and she gets a one of those little packs of cookies with you know five little cookies in it. And she goes and she sits down, she's waiting on her plane, and she puts her stuff around her. And this guy sits down one seat away where she has put her stuff and and uh she looks over and he, he opens her bag of cookies. And eats one. And uh, she looks over at him and she smiles at him and he smiles back. So, you know, she took her cookie and she's eating it. And she's reading her magazine thinking, I can't believe this guy did that. And looks out of the corner of her eye and the guy reaches over there and takes another cookie. (laughs) And she's like, no, there's no way. She smiles at him and he smiles back. And so she got another cookie ate it, and now there's one cookie left. The guy reaches over and takes the cookie, breaks it in half, (laughs) gives her half, and eats the other half of the cookie. This is a true story. And she she can't believe it. And and her her plane is called, and she gets up, she goes to, and she's just thinking about how unbelievable this guy is. And she sits down in her seat and opens her purse And there was her pack of cookies in her purse. See, the problem is, though, she just thought it was everybody else's problem. Thought it was the guy's problem. I can't believe this guy. 
I can't believe the situations in my life. I can't believe these things happen to me. I can't believe all this stuff. But sometimes we've got to look within. Are we taking responsibility? Are we making wise decisions? Are we really doing it? If we're not careful, we think everybody and everything else is the problem. Everybody, everything, everything out there, that's the issue. But what really needs to happen today is you need to take responsibility for your own life and your own soul. Realize you will hold the blunt of the weight, but you do affect the people around you. And you need to say, God, I need help. God, I need you, Jesus. Lord, I can't do this on my own. I, I, can't, I cannot affect and I can't stop what people do to me, but I can take, take a, a moment and think about how I'm going to react to it and make wise decisions. God, help me today. Today I pray that every person here will make a decision to build something that's going to last. And it's not enough to hear about preparation. It's not enough to hear about living a life of giving. It's not enough to hear about handling people that are wise or fools. It's not enough to hear about it, building something that's going to last. You've got to take responsibility and say from this day forward, I'm going to have God in my life. I'm going to make wise decisions. I'm going to help my family get up out of poverty. And most importantly, I'm going to help my family make it to heaven. I'm going to take that responsibility. Oh, my goodness. I feel conviction here. I have felt it several times as I was preaching. The Holy Ghost is here right now. If you are living in sin, if you are living in sin, you will bear the responsibility of that. There will be a day, whether it's the rapture that's called or you personally go from this life to the next, and you will be responsible for the things that happen in your life. Today, I invite you to an altar that old things can be passed away and all things become new. Because if you will take the responsibility to give your junk to God, God will take the responsibility of taking it and starting new. But it starts with us. Some people, you're saved here today. You're born again. God has done great things in your life. But you're dealing with some things and you need to step up. You know you do. Today, I invite you as well. Before we move any further, right where you are, will you join with someone and begin to pray? We're about to move. Please don't leave right now. Let's just focus in together. We're about to make a state. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, don't be afraid to pray. Just talk to God. Just talk to Him. That's it. Feel that presence of the Lord come here right now. You feel the power of the Holy Ghost. Talk to the Lord. That's it. Don't be by yourself right now. Pray with somebody. God, help us. Help my brother. Help my sister. There's already people here at the altar. 
the Holy Ghost is here. If it's sin, you need to deal with sin today. If it's an issue in your home, you need to ask God to help you today. Something going on in your life, you need to pray and ask God to give you direction. But own it today. Own it. Get a hold of it. Don't deny it. Don't put it off on somebody else, something else. Don't make excuses for it anymore. In the name of Jesus. Right now, from the front to the back, will you come to an altar and pray? You can invite that person beside you. If you're walking by someone, you can ask them. Let's pray for a little while. Come all the way forward. There's people coming in behind you. Hallelujah, Jesus. I told you at the beginning, this last pillar is basically what James had to say. Don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. That's a pillar of wisdom. That's it. Talk to the Lord. That's awesome right there. That's God touching you right there. That's it. Oh, God, help me. Help us today. That's awesome. There you go. Will you come? Will you give your heart fully to God? Don't wait on somebody else to make the move. You got to make the move yourself. That's it. In the name of Jesus. Ministers, if you'll begin to move. Altar workers, if you'll begin to move. Let the Holy Ghost flow. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Jesus name, in Jesus name. Holy Ghost, that's it, let God flow. 
That's it right there. Let the Holy Ghost flow. Let the Spirit of God flow. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, I need you. God, I need you. Help me, God. In the name of Jesus, that's it. That's it. That's it. Yes. Come on, that's it. Altar workers move. Ministers move. Let the Holy Ghost flow through you. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Get a fresh start today. That's it. Speak in those tongues. Speak in that heavenly language. Speak in that heavenly language. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. That's the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Ghost. Speak that out. That's the Holy Ghost, girl. That's it. Speak. Yeah, that's the Holy Ghost. People receiving the Holy Ghost. There's miracles happening right now. People that have been seeking the Holy Ghost for years, being filled with the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, let the Holy Ghost flow through you. Let your life be transformed. Jesus' name. That's it. Let that go. Let that flow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. God loves you today. You're living in the dispensation of grace. You're not too far for God to reach. All you have to do is like the prodigal son, start coming home. Take responsibility for your decision. And the Father is going to be waiting with open arms. And it's going to come running to you. In the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. right there. That's it. You and God. Go ahead. Let those emotions flow. That's all right. Jesus wept. That's all right. You can weep. Let those tears flow down your face. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, you're so good. That's it. What a miracle. What a miracle. What a miracle. What a miracle. Come on, let God help you, pick you up, start again, start fresh, start new, I give all.
plug him back in. I can just see God working right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus, plug back in with prayer for just a moment. All over this place, just talk to the Lord for a moment. God's working right now. God's moving right now. Lord Jesus. That's it. That's it. 